It's the big looming question each and every spring. How much should you plant in your garden to feed your family for the year or so? Well, there's a lot of vague information around this topic floating around the internet, but here's what bugs me about it. Very little of it is actually tangible, take-it-and-go information. So, in this episode, I'm going to show you the exact method and the thought process I use every single year to figure out exactly the right amount of potatoes, tomatoes, squash, beans, you name it, that we need to grow on our homestead each year. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So I know that many of you are gardening for the very first time this year, or maybe you're just expanding your operation. And with that, with this brand new frontier, there is that question, like, I don't know what to plant. How many uh, plants should I plant? Like, I know my sister is kind of putting in her first garden on her brand new homestead. And she's been calling me going, how many tomato plants do you usually put in? How many squash do you usually put in? And I'm just kind of trying to give her, you know, ballpark so she can figure it out for her situation. So this is a really big question. And honestly, it stumped me for a very long time. And I often would just plant things and either end up with way too much or way too little. And I always kind of had that shooting in the dark sort of feeling. So I've come up with a simple little equation. Like, don't worry, it's not too much math. But it really helps me get clear and feel like I have a plan of action. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, I love having a clear plan. So I'm going to share that with you in just a minute. But before we get to that, before we get down to the details, I have three questions I want you to consider before you get out there and start putting seeds in the ground, because these may seem a little obvious at first, but they're actually really easy to overlook and can get you into some trouble down the road. So question number one, how much will you and your family actually eat? I know it sounds ridiculous, but really sit down and think about this. I didn't do that for many of my initial gardening years. And I would do things like plant five rows of radishes. And I would get so excited for the radishes to come up and they were beautiful. And I would take pictures of them and I would bring them inside. And no one would eat them because I don't like radishes. My kids don't like radishes. And Christian likes approximately one or two radishes per year. <laughs> He'll eat one or two and then he's over it. So I repeated that, embarrassingly enough. I repeated this pattern for a number of years, three or four years, where I'd always plant radishes and they'd always be fed to the chickens. And I'm finally like, Jill, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? So guess what? I don't plant radishes anymore. And I no longer put pressure on myself to plant enough radishes to get us through months and months and months, okay? Like I said, it seems obvious, but it's not always obvious. Ask the zucchini planters, you know, the people that chase you down the street with their zucchini that sneak it into your car, 
who leave it on your porch so you can't turn it away. Like those people, they haven't thought through the question, how much <laughs> will you eat? And we've all been in that zucchini boat. So no judgment there. All right. Question number two, how much can you, or will you be able to preserve of a given food item? Um, you know, there's some of these items that are going to be needing some sort of cold storage, the potatoes, the onions, the cabbage, potentially. There's some that will need to be frozen. There's some that will need to be canned. So if you're not able to preserve or that's not your jam, I mean, I hope it's your jam, but if it's not, just keep listening to this podcast and it will someday become your thing. But anyway, I digress <laughs> that um, preserving is going to enable a large quantity of vegetables to last you longer into the year. So if you're planting 50 tomato plants, you need to have the ability to can them or freeze them, uh, et cetera. So for me, cabbages, um, we don't have a root cellar yet, hopefully this year, but up till now I store my cabbages in our shop refrigerator and there's not unlimited space in there. And I don't like to make tons and tons of sauerkraut. Like I make a good quantity, but like my family has a limit of how much sauerkraut they will eat during a season. So I plant enough cabbage to, uh, make sauerkraut. I plant enough so I can put, you know, 10, 15 heads in my fridge or so for the fall and the winter. And then I don't plant more than that. Cause I don't have anywhere to put it. So take that into consideration, especially if you're like me, you don't have a root cellar yet. And you're working in some of these uh, alternative or creative ways to store some of the vegetables. Okay, number three, this one is pretty obvious. What do you have room for in the garden? Because you might have aspirations to grow 600 pounds of potatoes, but your garden's not going to support that. So in that case, because I was in that boat for many years, and I still have to balance that out, you know, you're going to kind of go triage mode. What do we love and eat the very most? What's kind of like a medium vegetable? What are we just not that thrilled about? Radishes, for example. And you can uh, space your garden out and assign spots for the vegetables according to that. Uh, and remember, even if you can't plant enough to feed your family for a whole year, even if you can only plant, you know, 20 tomato plants or well, 20 tomato plants is probably still a lot for the average brand new gardener. Let's say potato plants. Let's say you only plant 20 potato plants. That's not going to feed you probably throughout the whole year, but it's still a start. So don't let this whole idea of having to plant enough to feed my family, never go to the grocery store again. Don't get so hung up on that, that it paralyzes you and you aren't able to just get started, right? You got to start somewhere and there's no shame in growing enough potatoes for three months and then supplementing with the grocery store until you start to get in your groove. And that's what we did for years. And there are still vegetables, as you will hear in this episode, that I don't grow enough of to feed us all year round. I don't even try to do that. We just get us halfway through or a third of the way through the year. And I call it good. So balance, balance, balance. But I did want to, at least for this episode, take this topic from the angle of long-term food production, because that's the uh, theme of this season, right? Is preparedness and bucking the system and being less reliant on grocery stores. And part of that is figuring out creative ways to grow those vegetables in larger quantities. Now, in an upcoming episode of this season, I'm going to have a greenhouse expert come join me. And he's going to share how you can use season extenders like greenhouses and cold frames, hoop houses to 
grow longer throughout the year. And one of the reasons I love this idea is because you don't have to grow everything in one fell swoop. You know, you can grow little bits if you have some sort of season extension in place. And then NASCA enable you to have a slow burn of harvest versus, oh my gosh, here it comes. It's all in my kitchen at the same time. Get all the canning jars sort of vibe, which there is an element of that regardless of what you do. But if you can mitigate that a little bit, it helps the old stress level. Okay, so I have this equation for you. And if you're driving or you're walking your dog or you're out weeding, you don't have to write it down because I have created a special printable worksheet that you can print off and it has the whole equation and it's really fancy and really cute. So go grab that. You can get it for free down in the show notes. Um, but here's the equation. I'll just kind of explain it as we go. So we're going to start out with how many pounds of a certain vegetable, like let's say I'm trying to figure out how many pounds of tomatoes I'm trying to grow or how many tomato plants rather. So how many pounds of tomatoes do we consume weekly? I'm going to figure that out. And this takes a little bit of guesswork. Um, sometimes I Google a little bit of this, like for example, potatoes, I think, well, let's see, we have two to three potato meals per week. And I know, according to Google, that the serving of potatoes is about a half pound per person. So, you know, if I have two potato meals a week with five people, I round up a little bit. I need around six pounds of potatoes per week. That's how I would kind of figure that out. I'm going to take that number, how many pounds we consume per week, and I'm going to multiply it by the number of feasible weeks. And the reason I say feasible weeks is, you know, initially we'd say, well, I'm going to multiply it by 52 weeks. Uh, you know, in the year. And that can work for some things. Tomatoes, for example, that's cool because you're going to be preserving them most likely. But like with potatoes, I can't grow potatoes, or I, rather I can grow potatoes, but I can't store potatoes to last 365 days. Like I don't have the setup for that. I can get them to last a good six to eight months, but anything longer than that, like they're not edible anymore. So I would figure out how many weeks I could store this food item if I have to store it fresh. Um, and then I would multiply that by the pounds we consume. So pounds consumed multiplied by the number of weeks equals the number of pounds you need over the course of a year or a season. Then we take the number of pounds needed and we divide it by the pounds produced per plant, and that's easy to find on Google. Just type in what are the average yield of a tomato plant. You'll get a number. You can kind of find the average. And that gives us the number of plants we need to grow. Now, I realize you're listening to this, and I can't show it to you on a piece of paper, so it's probably a little confusing. So let me break this down with a real-life example. So let's go back to tomatoes. With tomatoes, we eat more sauce than we do fresh tomatoes or other types of tomato products. We're just big on the spaghetti sauce and the pizza sauce and all that. So sauce is my main goal. It takes around five pounds of tomatoes to make one quart of tomato sauce. And that varies a little depending on the type of tomato and how thick your tomato sauce is, but that's a rough, good average. If I need about 40-ish quarts of sauce to get me through a year from garden to garden, that's a little less than a quart per week. You know, some weeks we might have two quarts, some weeks we might have zero quarts, no spaghetti, no pasta whatsoever, so it all evens out. Then I do the math, five pounds times 40 quarts needed, and that's 200 pounds of tomatoes. Now, I know that a tomato plant, thank you, Google, produces around 10 to 15 pounds of tomato per plant. 
Now I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to round down and take the 10 pound mark. So when I do the division, 200 pounds of tomatoes needed divided by 10 pounds per plant. That gives me the grand total of 20 tomato plants needed to make about 40 quarts of sauce. Now, that being said, I usually plant more like 50 to 60 tomato plants because I don't know, more is more, I guess. And tomato math is a thing like chicken math. And that also takes into consideration the bugs that might get some. Um, we might eat some fresh. Well, I know we're going to eat some fresh and we're going to make salsa when every when the peppers are in season. So I feel like for us, 50 tomato plants is very reasonable. You may think that sounds ridiculous. I have friends who grow, you know, 200 tomato plants a season. So I feel like we're a little on the low end of that. Um, but that's what we've done with our current space, right? I've been dealing with my raised bed garden and I have to be mindful of space. Now that we have the greenhouse and we're starting to expand, I might be, you know, doubling that or getting a, a lot more expansive with my quantities. But that's what I've done up till this point. All right, let's talk about potatoes, um, just so you can have one more example. Potatoes are about a one to 10 ratio when we're talking about one pound of seed potatoes will give you about 10 pounds of finished potatoes, right? If we think about about a half pound of potato per person per meal, I got that off Google. Um, for us, that's five people, I rounded it up. So that's about three pounds per meal that we're going to consume. If we do two meals with potatoes per week, that's six pounds of potatoes needed each week. Now, I'm going to call my feasible number of weeks on this potato angle. Uh, it's going to be about eight months. So I can start harvesting my new baby potatoes in August. They're delicious. And I can then harvest the rest of them in October and store those guys till end of March, early April. So that's about 32 weeks that I'm needing to feed my family. 32 weeks worth of potatoes. You multiply that times six pounds per week. That gives us around 192 pounds needed for our family of five. Now, honestly, we, if you watch my YouTube video from this fall, that's what we kind of accidentally grew was around 200, 250 pounds. And that was right on for our needs. Like we didn't need a whole lot more than that. Um, and so according to Google, I can get three to five pounds of potatoes per plant. Um, and I'm going to take the middle four. So I'll take my 200 pounds needed divided by four. And that gives me about 48 plants that I need to grow in my potatoes. And I think we grew a lot more than that. No, no. Did we grow that many? I'm trying to think how that worked out. I didn't count my plants last year. I know we got 200 to 250 pounds. I should have counted my plants, but I think we are probably in that ballpark. Um, again, we had some that we put in the ground and they were duds and some that maybe didn't produce as many, as many as the others. So there's always some variables. That's why I always round up and I'm a little conservative with these numbers, but you can get yourself pretty close. Now, some plants are a little different, right? Like onions, for example. An onion, you plant an onion set, which is the little teeny tiny baby onion you can buy at a garden store. I usually use those in lieu of starting my own onion seeds just because I haven't had very robust onions from the seeds. They just don't work great. I can get it to work, but it's not fantastic. So anyway, one onion set gives me one onion. So that's pretty simple to figure out. You don't even need the equation. And I think about how many onions do I need 
over the course of a season? Well, on average, we're using about one onion per day. We use an onion probably most supper times. Uh, breakfast, I don't use very many onions. Lunch, we just eat leftovers, so we're not eating too many onions for lunch. So about an onion a day. Now, I can't get my onions to last 365 days. I can only get them to last a portion of the year, usually from uh, late summer till about now, end of March, April, they're gonna start getting squishy. So that's about 270 days. I'm gonna need about 270 onions to last us through. Now, we have not been able to grow that many thus far because we haven't had room, but this year I think that'll be better. So I'll keep you posted. Cucumbers are another one that I do a little differently. I have just found, this is the very unscientific approach. We have a four by 10 beds in our raised bed garden. If I dedicate one bed to cucumbers, and that's probably 20-ish plants that'll fit in there, I might crowd them slightly. I have a really bad habit of crowding seeds, so don't yell at me. But I can fill one four by 10 bed with cucumber seeds, and I usually get way more cucumbers than I need. Um, and I also let them grow to the size of baseball bats, which is never, ever recommended for pickling cucumbers. That's a bad idea, but I do it anyway. Anyway, so I would say 20 cucumber plants for us is plenty for fresh eating. Kids love fresh cucumbers and all the pickles and relishes and stuff that we want. That, that'll be different for you depending on how much you like cucumbers and, you know, how many pickles you guys like to make and all that good stuff. So those are kind of my, my top vegetables. They kind of break things up in terms of priority. So potatoes, tomatoes, onions, cucumbers, those are things that I really want to make sure I grow in quantity every year. And I'm kind of build my garden around those things. And then I have what I call the second class vegetables. They're vegetables we love and I can definitely grow them here, but I might not place as high of a priority on growing enough of them to feed my family all year long. And my second class vegetables would be, green beans would be the first one. Now, I love green beans. My kids love them. We eat them a lot as a side dish, but I do not love to harvest them. I just find it horribly tedious and I turn on my podcast and I try to get in the zone and it just, I don't know, it just annoys me. And then you bring them in and you have to snap the ends off. And I know everybody has the wonderful memories of snapping beans with grandma and maybe when I'm a grandma, I will settle into that task, but it just, I don't know. It's not my favorite. So I'm just whining now, basically. But anyway, the beans, I, we, har we probably do, I don't know, 20 to 30 plants, a couple beds worth, and we definitely eat them. And I freeze some and we make some into dilly beans and I can some in the pressure canner. But I don't grow mountains because I'm a big baby when it comes to processing them, basically. Uh, cabbage, I explained that. It's another second-class vegetable. We do a good, enough, a good amount of cabbage, but not enough to go a full year. Squash, I love growing pumpkins and squash when I can get it to work, which is most of the time. Every once in a while, I have years that are just a dud. The space is my issue with the squash because of the cross-pollination. And my garden, you know, my raised bed garden, I would plant like one squash on one end and one variety of squash on the other end. And they would sometimes still get cross-pollinated. But I've been limited by space basically up till now. So last year we were able to plant some spaghetti squash plants out in our near our potato patch because it's far from the other garden. And that worked well. I got a great spaghetti squash crop. Um, but I only usually, I would say five to six 
plants of one variety like spaghetti or butternut, and then I'll do five or six pumpkin plants, and that's about it. The summer squash, it's a great option if you're a new gardener because it grows easily, and it's going to feel really good to see such an amazing yield. My family, and I, I'm the mom who makes her kids eat the vegetables. Like I kind of expect my kids to have a grown-up palate. I don't have the whole, oh, all you have to eat is macaroni and cheese and goldfish crackers mindset. Like you eat like an adult. I expect you to eat spices and seasonings and you eat what we eat. So I am that mom, the mean mom with the food. And I have done my very best to get my kids to enjoy squash and they just don't. (laughs) So they still are expected to eat it in some quantity, but honestly, I feel like it's a little bit of child torture to just feed it to them every meal. So I don't grow a ton of summer squash. I'll do a little zucchini if I have room for zucchini bread. Um, or maybe some patty pans just for fun, or yellow squash, but it's not something we go crazy on. Carrots are another kind of one of my second class veggies. I think I'll grow these in better quantity once we have our root cellar. I've been a little limited on storage for them, and I will often keep them in the garden as long as I can, and that works to a point, but then once the ground gets super, super frozen. I, you know, doesn't work. They get icky. Or like right now we're under a giant blanket of snow. So it's not super easy to go out there and dig up carrots, but I'll usually plant two of my beds with carrots. The kids love to eat them fresh and I will harvest as many as I can in the fall and early winter and put them in soups and stews. And then if we run out in the spring, I don't know, it's not the end of the world. So that's just one of those middle vegetables. Um, my other veggie options that are kind of like, I hesitate to say bottom of the barrel because I still love these things, but they're not top priority. Uh, corn. I don't plant a lot of corn because it takes up so much room and I don't know. I feel like the, the enjoyment of eating a fresh, fresh corn on the cob is great but it's always a crapshoot. I I either get the corn plants that are weird and stunted or the raccoons eat them or the worms eat them. Or when I finally do get them to grow, like last year, they were like, the kernels were gummy and not sweet. And I, I picked a good variety. So I don't know. Corn is one. I'm like, you're hard to grow, buddy. And you take up a lot of room and you eat a lot of nitrogen out of the soil. So if I have space and I'm in the mood, I'll plant some corn, but it's not something I ever try to grow enough for a year. Um, broccoli and cauliflower, I adore. They're like my, broccoli is like my favorite vegetable, maybe second only to Brussels sprouts, but it's a little tricky here. It doesn't thrive. So I have gotten it to work and I've got cauliflower to work brilliantly last year, but it also takes up a lot of room. Um, a little cumbersome to preserve, like you have to blanch it and freeze it and all that. So I plant a a bed worth of that maybe, but that's about it. And peas, my kids love snap peas. So I'll plant maybe half a bed, but not enough to preserve. It's more of kind of a snack food. And what else? Um, Greens, we're experimenting as you know, from YouTube and on our other episodes, we're trying to see if we can grow greens year around, which I love. And I want to see what else can I grow year round because um, that just takes that pressure off of me in August and September and October when everything else needs to be harvested. I like this, this idea of kind of this slow drip of the vegetables coming in the house. So we had that experience this year with our spinach and our kale, and that's been wonderful. So I'm hoping to get better at using the greenhouse and figure out my rhythm 
of things I can just leave out there all the time. So we always have them versus the typical garden routine. So that was a lot of information, but, but I hope it, hope it was helpful. Again, this is just this idea of not perfection, not um, putting so much pressure on ourselves that we never, ever allow ourselves to go to the grocery store again, because that's not my uh, end goal, right? Give yourself grace if you need to supplement with other options. But as we're talking about being prepared and thinking ahead and being resilient, how can we use our gardens to help us do that? So I think with a little bit of planning and a little bit of forethought, we can grow some amazing quantities of vegetables, even in a little backyard or maybe your front flower bed. You transform that into a veggie area instead. So there is so much possibility out there. You just got to reach out and take action. So like I mentioned earlier, if you would like the details of this in print so you can see it, if you're a visual person like I am, head over to theprairiehomestead.com slash what to plant, just all one word, smushed together, and you can download my free what to plant guide. It has this equation that I shared and an example in the questions to consider. So it'll help you just stay on track and have a plan, which is always a good thing. So that's it for today's episode, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.